Paul Milner, a native of England, has been an international lecturer specialising in British Isles research for over 35 years. And he is the course coordinator for the English and Scottish tracks at the Institute of Genealogical and Historical Research in Athens, Georgia, and has taught similar courses for the British Isles Institute. He is the author of six books, a book reviewer for the Federation of Genealogical Societies Forum, and a past board member of several professional genealogist societies. And um, Paul will be attending and presenting at the British Isles Family History Society of Greater uh, Ottawa, uh, and we're giving a little insight into what's coming up uh, the weekend after next. And uh, he will be presenting five papers, which for any conference is a hectic workload, and these include Buried Treasures, The Parish Chest, Occupational Guild and Freeman Records, Finding Our Pre-World War I Soldier, The English Probate System, and My God, Nobody Told Me. Paul, first of all, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start with the last one. My God, Nobody Told Me. What did nobody tell you? <laughs> what, that, what that starts off with is a, story, a piece of fiction actually, about a World War I soldier. Um, but what it relates to is the fact that in that piece of fiction, my, I've got one of my ancestors that's, that's uh, referenced on the war memorial that's in the story. And what it boils down to is the fact that even though I've been talking to the family for 20 years, 30 years, about the family, Nobody had ever mentioned this World War One soldier that had been killed during the World War, First World War. And it got me thinking about what else haven't the relatives told me about. And then the next question becomes, given the fact that we're all getting older, is what information are we not telling our descendants? about even what are the stories that we're not even telling our own descendants about who we were as young adults before they knew us interesting that you should interesting you should bring uh, cover that because i have just come from spending some time with my daughter and actually shared some what would be i won't say family secrets they're not but at the end of it she said i never knew that i never knew that and <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a, you know, there's no visuals in that other than the stories I tell. And it's to get people thinking and motivated to do something. Whether that's tell the stories verbally, again, probably, or to write the stories down so that they will be passed down. So I'm, gl I'm glad you had the experience with your kids. <laughs> so, Paul, you mentioned this came out of uh, some of your research relating to World War One, or that it was re dealing with a World War One soldier. And um, your other, one of your other papers is finding your pre-World War One soldier. Yes, I have a number of those, <laughs> and yet, I, in my sense, I don't have a military family. But the military is. Where did all those men go that suddenly disappeared off the family tree? And invariably, many of them, and at least in the British Isles, ended up in either the Army or the Navy. 
And so when databases come online, I go looking for them. So I found my uh, uh, guy that was shot in the chest at the Battle of Waterloo. Um, I found a Royal Marine that served in the early 1800s. Um, who didn't, you know, saw b- battle action in Copenhagen, um, but not much. I saw another one. I found another one that was the second in command during the War of 1812 in Halifax, Nova Scotia, of the Royal Artillery. Um, I've got my my 18, War of 1812 soldier that was fighting for the British and was at the Battle of New Orleans. Um, and the result of all of this is you learn a heck of a lot more about British history <laughs> than you ever wanted to know because you've got to put these soldiers and sailors into context. And at that time, of course, um, the British Isles was the British Isles, so this research is applicable to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It is, it is a British army. Um, so it's covering all of the uh, divisions, the sections of the British Isles. Um, and and it's, the nice thing is, it's the same record. 1913, the, the World War I changes. But prior to the World War I, it's the same set of records, but I go back to the, to the 1600s. And there are actually soldiers who were known for the 1400s, if you're lucky to have an archer. <laughs> Well, when you mention going back to then, I suppose that would be bringing back to the Occupational Guild and Freedom, uh, the Freedmen records. That's right. You get back into those training records. All of our occupations have, all of our ancestors have occupations. But what what does that mean? Because the tendency is, oh, the guy's a plumber. Therefore, you look at it from a modern perspective. But a 17th century plumber didn't work with plastic pipes and drainage and put hot water going into people's houses. So what did a plumber do in the 17th century or the 1800s? Very different from what it is now. And what did it mean? You know, what did they do to learn their trade? What records exist? And then what rights did they give, give them? So that's when you get into the guild and the freeman records. Um, about being able to trade within city boroughs and the towns and have exclusivity. It's interesting you should mention the uh, ability to trade within the boundaries because um, recently when I was in Ireland, the area outside of what would have been the old city walls was known as the Liberties. And, of course, the Liberties was the area where the they, um, trades could practice um, to some degree freely. Um, so these type of records, the uh, Freedmen Records Guild and Occupational, are they at this stage digitized or where would somebody find those? Actually, many of them are digitized. Uh, there's a good selection on, uh, on Find My Past and on Ancestry. Uh, the collections are growing. But no, unfortunately, not everything is online yet, so you've got to know where else to go to find the records. Um, and that depends on whether you're looking for 
directories, our labor union records. Um, so w a lot will depend on what time period, what part of the country, or what part of the British Isles, for that matter. Um, and so part of it, my job is to give some guidance on where to look for these records and what types of guides there are to them. So then we're talking there about when people had a trade and were working, but of course we all went through and are going to go through the experience of birth, uh, be it marriage or uh, death, and the records that will be associated with those. So I guess that would be where the parish chest particularly would come into. Actually, partially. But we tend to think of the parish as, as the baptism registers, the marriage registers, and the burial registers. And, but the reality is that the church in the British Isles served as the Amorish government. So what you also have, but people tend to ignore, is the church working in its civil capacity, not its religious capacity, but in its civil capacity. And what that means is you think, have things like bastardy records, militia lists, uh, uh, overseer's accounts, constable accounts, uh, settlement accounts, all of the records that basically take, that are used to run the parish in its civil capacity. And they, the, the, the best part of those records is you will find all of the strata in the community. So you've got the, the well-off who are providing the money, providing donations, who are sitting on juries, who are making decisions. You've got the poor, who are often in the settlement records, the parish relief records, overseers' accounts. And then you've got the people in the middle, the tradesmen, who are typically working as the church wardens, the overseers, that have functions within the, the operation of the parish. So you have all levels of strata of the parish life. Everybody's almost included in those records somewhere. And so they're just a goldmine for people to solve their brick walls. And people, people ignore them. Paul, is that exclusive to um, the England, or would it be a similar situation in Wales, Scotland, and Ireland? Um, it's, got, it's going to be the same in England and Wales. Uh, it's slightly different in Scotland because there it's the Kirk Session record. And I'm not aware of, I'm not aware of the records in Ireland at that level. Certainly I have not heard about them being digitized if they do exist. I think there are certain, there are some of those records that are taken care of in some of the court records, um, looking at illegitimacy. Um, and petty, petty thievery. So there's some of them taken in the, in the, the lower courts. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't think, I should say, I don't think that the Paris chest materials survive to the extent that they do in England and Wales. So then moving on to what would be the post mortem area, which would of course be the probate system. Right. And here the key date is 1858 uh, with regard to England and Wales. Um, after 1858, you've got everything being in one central court system. But prior to 1858, you had the church courts 
settling um, all of the probate or administration of an estate. And, you know, if you count them all up, there's yeah, three to four hundred of these church courts. Um, but luckily, you don't have to search them all um, because in any, any given county, you might only have five or six to search. But part of the secret is knowing which five or six out of the 300 to search. Um, and there are guides that are both online and in print that guide you to know which courts you need to search for any given county. And there's all sorts of extra tools for that. <laughs> well, Paul, you certainly have your plate full when you get up here to Ottawa. And that's Friday the 29th, Saturday the 30th, and Sunday, the thir- uh, Sunday October 1st. Um, I see you're particularly busy on the 1st. I think you're what? You have three papers on the 1st and two on the 30th. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, thanks a million for giving us a little bit of a flavor, and I would encourage anybody to come out. It certainly is fascinating, and we are only able to kind of scratch the surface of what all this is about and uh, in what for you was going to be a total of what, about three hours of, or thereabouts of presentations? Uh, near five. Near five, near five hours. hours. Yeah. 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 Well, Paul, I want to thank you for taking the time. And uh, as I say, if you're listening, um, the venue is uh, the Ben Franklin Place, and it is on Friday the 29th, Saturday the 30th, and to visit. British Isles Family History Society, um, which is Bifisco, B-I-F-H-S-G-O dot C-A, for full details. Paul Miller, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you all.